We're going to hear two readings now, the first from Colossians and the second from Matthew. Lynn's going to bring the first reading and Derek the second. The first reading is taken from Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all the wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. A reading reading from Matthew chapter. 23 verses 30 to 35 then will appear the sign of the son of man in heaven and then all the people of the earth will mourn when they see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather the elects from the, from the four winds, one end of the heavens to the other. <clears throat> now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs become tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near even so when you see all these things you will know that it is near right at the door truly i tell you this generation will certainly not pass away until until all these things have happened heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away. Mm. 
May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. The story is told of a young couple who went on honeymoon and due to a flight delay arrived at their, ha their hotel in the middle of the night. So they went to their rooms and uh, the following morning woke up. And when they woke, they went down to complain that their room was ridiculously small. It had no windows. It was furnished by a single bed settee. They booked the honeymoon suite and it seemed they'd been given a box room. So the manager went with them upstairs and asked if they'd noticed the double doors which the couple, in that late hour or that early hour of the morning, had thought was a wardrobe. And he opened them to reveal a beautiful room, complete with a four-poster bed, a balcony with sea view, flowers, a bottle of champagne in an ice bucket. Mr. and Mrs. Unhappy, I had to think of a name for them, Mr. and Mrs. Unhappy had spent their wedding night in the entrance room to the best suite in the best hotel in the country. You know, it can be the same with our Bible if we never effectively sit down and read it. We may have experienced a few of the stories or books, but we haven't as yet discovered the extent of the treasures contained throughout this book. Indeed, I'd say I've sat down many times and I still, I still haven't discovered the extent of the treasures contained in this book that we know as the Bible. A book that sits on bookshelves or it sits on electronic devices. As fellowship group knows, I tend to switch from one translation to another as we're going through it. Well, today, Bible Sunday, as I introduced, is to give thanks for the Bible, the whole Bible. It's a gift given to us. It's the written, inspired Word of God through which we come to encounter the living God, through which we come to encounter, through Jesus Christ, the living God. This isn't just text on a page. But this is the Word of God living and meant to be active in our lives. If only we'd let those words touch and inspire us to this new way of living. If we develop a relationship with the Word as we hear it and as we read it. You know, many ministers do something strange called spiritual direction. And... Um, it's a time where you go and you dwell on passages. Now, they may be that it might be that I was stuck on a passage and I would go. It might be that I had things going on inside me that were blocking God's word coming to me. Or it might be that I went and suddenly my spiritual director would give me a passage and say, What do you make of that? Or words to that effect. 
But you know, that's the time when we're meant to look at that passage from all angles. And I'd encourage you, you know, if you hear a passage in church that you struggle with, or if you're reading a passage at home, that you look at it day after day, maybe two or three times a day, that you let it seep inside you, that you let it dwell in you, that you let God speak to you through that passage. Because we are meant to develop a relationship with Scripture. Um, I, I just think, you know, when I was choosing the passages for today, those words from Colossians, and let the word of Christ dwell in us. Don't forget that last word, richly. Not just sit there doing nothing, but dwell in us richly. And many writers have used their relationship with the Bible to write books, hymns, songs, you'll hear me speak of one later, to express how they feel about words that they've read. And us? Well, perhaps you don't know, but this week is quite an important week for me. You see, here we are at Thomas Risley on the 28th of October, 2018. And on Wednesday, it will be a full year since I retired from full-time ministry. Do note, retired from full-time ministry. The church is still using me, but not full-time. We're here as many people over the centuries have gathered I've been unpacking a lot of boxes because we've been having some work done to the house. And I came across this. I was wondering where it was, and believe it or not, I came across it last night. I didn't think I was going to find it, and there it was with some CDs. Hey, never mind. Um, a History of Thomas Risley Church. I'm sure there's copies around. If you haven't read that, it's worth reading. You know, when you read about the people who had a vision you know, those people who had a vision for this church, who gathered together to hear the Word of God read, heard the Word of God spoken about by preachers. At that time, they didn't even have a building to meet in, and they used to risk imprisonment or fines to meet. Those people who gathered, and when the law made it possible to build a church, said, let's do it. Those who founded this church. And then, just cast a thought back to the people you know who have been part of your church life, be it here or anywhere else for that matter, who've helped develop you and your faith. Maybe in recent times, maybe a long time ago. Because just like those people, we are here to listen to the readings, to study this ancient text, to hear stories of times so utterly different and distant from our own that there seems to be no point of connection, no point at all, except, of course, the people. They're all too familiar. 
You know, in here, there are stories of rulers who went off the rails and did dreadful things. Think of this week's news. Think of Saudi. Think of Donald Trump. Think of the man who sent postal bombs in America. Or indeed, as Ron mentioned, the man who committed that atrocity on the Jews in Pittsburgh. In here you will read of nations who fought. Some conquered and some were conquered in their turn. Reflect on our world, on the many civil wars that are raging. Reflect on a people who are so oppressed that they can't even read a piece of scripture without risking their lives. Think about the men and women in here who were in the grip of love, of hate, of fear, of jealousy, of family feuds. Think of the national disasters that, are, that you can read about in this Bible. Or indeed, any of these Bibles. And there'll be somebody in this world or a place in this world that you can relate to. All in all, there are people just like us, just like you and me. This Bible is a book that we can connect to. I love the Psalms. I always find, you know, in my moments of despair, there's a Psalm that will speak to me. So as we look at the Bible, as we turn its pages, as we learn fresh approaches, um, to our, as we, we're able to shape our lives, um, we can do that from the perspective of what we've read in here. And that's not all really, because we are actually called, remember we're called into relationship with this word of God, with the word that we know as Jesus. Not just with each other, but with the word, it's all about, this, this book is all about a special conversation that has gone on. And that conversation is between God and God's people. It's about the relationships that have been formed over the centuries and how God has spoken to those people. And let's recall some of them. Think about the Old Testament prophets. There are many books on the Old Testament prophets used by God to take God's message to God's people. Often speaking words that really weren't very well received at the time. They also spoke of the one to come. So let's not forget, think about Jesus, the Gospels based on the life of Jesus, 
a model for us to lead, to base our life on. Think of the disciples as they followed Jesus, speaking about how this man that they met, this man that came into their lives, speaking of how he changed their lives and changed their lives in such a profound way that they wanted to tell everyone else about it. And yeah, it might have meant they got killed, but that wasn't going to quieten those disciples. Think about the books of the New Testament, people living in communities, Ephesians, Colossians, Galatians, and so on. Think about those people in those community, communities who upon receiving this word of God, probably, well, passed on in a verbal way, found that it touched them so deeply and they related to it so much that they wanted to pass it on in turn. All these are named here, well, some of them are named and some of them are not named, but all those feature here in the Bible. But let's not forget about the generations of people who, since the Bible has been written, have continued to be God's prophets in this world. You see, we find ourselves in this Bible. And I wonder just how many of you consider yourselves to be prophets, to be God's messengers in today's world. I wonder how many of you would put your hand up and say, I'm a prophet. I'm not actually going to ask you to do that. Though I was very tempted, I have to admit. But you know, you are. All of you are prophets in today's land. You are entrusted with God's word. Just think about it. Entrusted with the word of God. Imagine God giving you that in, you know, into your hands, into your heart, and saying, well, here's my gift to you. Now, what are you going to do with it? You know, we allow these writings to have a unique place in our worship. And so we should allow them to have the same importance in our lives. Um, there's a particular writer, Tom Wright. His books are always just Tom Wright. Bishop Tom Wright is an Anglican, but let's not condemn him for being an Anglican. He's wrote many, many commentaries. Um, so you'll get... Uh, his writings on the book of Matthew, of Luke, but you'll also get it on things like Psalms or any of the uh, New Testament ones. This one's Finding God in the Psalms. Um, he's classed as a scholar. Um, 
He's a great theologian. But, you know, he writes in ordinary language, and uh, he wrote this, um, Tom Wright did. He suggested the Christian life can be compared to taking part in an unfinished Shakespeare play. Now, I'm not really into Shakespeare, but you can imagine any play you want if you're not into Shakespeare. He asks us to imagine that there exists such a play whose fifth act has been lost. The first four acts provide a great deal of characterization and such excitement within the plot that it's generally agreed that the play should be staged. However, rather than leave everyone guessing after the fourth act or asking someone else to write a fifth act, it was decided to give the key parts to expert actors who would be told to immerse themselves in the first four acts, in the language, in the culture of Shakespeare and his time. And then having done that, work out the last act by themselves, improvise it. So this is the manner that Bishop Wright, Bishop Tom Wright, tells us in which we might approach the Christian life. We have scripture. We have Christian tradition. We have reason that often gets in the way, by the way. Yet certainly in my place, reason can get in the way. But it's a dynamic relationship. And it's taking all those things into account and letting it touch us that means we can then improvise the fifth act in the way we live our Christian life. The scriptures, the traditions, they don't exactly tell us what to do, but they are the foundation stone on which our lives are based. We sang, before these um, passages were read, we sang, All I Once Held Dear. It, that was a one that I asked as well. I asked for three, actually. I asked for the first one, be still. And the only reason I asked for that was I enjoyed it so much about three weeks ago, I thought we'd have it again. There we go. See, when, when you're a minister, you can ask for things you like. Um, and then I asked uh, for this one, all I once held dear, because the Bible does change the way we live our lives. It does say, actually, we're not living the world's way. We're living Christ's way. That's the way now. So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly because God is one who longs to communicate, who wants to use words, sometimes very ordinary, fragile words to make himself known to us. God speaks through those words and when they're absorbed, they become so much part of our lives. Some of you are old enough to remember Terry Waite and his imprisonment. If you listened to any of the talks he did when finally he was released, he spoke about the passages he'd learned that he'd committed to heart and how they continued to feed and sustain him through those long years of captivity. You might have heard three or four weeks ago that Archbishop Romero um, the Catholic Church sainted Archbishop Romero. Archbishop Romero was just an ordinary priest in San Salvador who had taken the justice gospel to heart and so spoke out against the authorities. He was warned, if you carry on saying that, they'll kill you. So after Mass one day, 
they did. These are people who've taken that message to heart. But it doesn't have to be famous people like that. You'll all know of people who have been the word of God to you. People that live that fifth act in the way they do their lives, the way they live their lives. See, the Bible is precious. It's priceless. It's inspired. It deserves our best attention because behind the words on the page is the living reality of the word made flesh. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The opening words of John's prologue. Words not simply believing, not to simply believe in, but to let touch us. Because as those that final sentence in Matthew's reading that we heard Derek read, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. It was a message for difficult times, for end times. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So let's reconnect with the breath of God. Let, you know, let the Holy Spirit breathe. Oh, just let the Holy Spirit breathe new life into the passages we read and breathe new life into us as well. And as we do, you know, we'll find out that we can speak more and more passionately, thoughtfully, confidently about these words of life. During this week, I, Dave and I have been in Surrey most of the past fortnight. Um, and so I was speaking to Diane on the phone about music. And um, she suggested to me one that I um, didn't really know at all. Uh, I have to say, I, I didn't know it at all. Uh, higher than the mountains that I face. But when I heard, because I, I said to Diane, well, how does it go? And I think you said to me something like, this was like 10 o'clock at night, you know, I've got no pitch. But don't worry about it, Diane, you had exactly the right pitch. I said, just tell me the words. Um, <clears throat> and she sent me a link as well. Higher than the mountains that I face, stronger than the power of the grave, constant through trial and change, one thing remains. This one thing remains. And then you've got it. Your love never fails, never gives up. It never runs out on me. Just remember, heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will never pass away. A song that takes that and it says, your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. And so it will be the last song that we sing before I give a blessing. Uh, I'll give a blessing and then we'll share the grace at that point. Um, but it's the last one of this group of three. Do come and get yourselves 
set up. And it's because I want you to take it away with you. It's an earworm. I can tell you that I knew as soon as I heard this that it was going to wake me up in the middle of the night. That one sentence was going to be with me in all sorts of strange places. And that I might, I might even wake myself up singing it. And probably not in pitch either, Diane. But you know, I hope it's an earworm to you. And that, you know, in your worst moments, it comes back to you. Thanks. <laughs>